Welcome back to episode 63 of Anime Deep Dive, the podcast that does in-depth reviews of different anime series. Due to the extent in which plot points will be discussed, a spoiler warning will now be in effect. This is a spoiler review, so if you haven't seen the series and are only looking for a recommendation, there will be a timestamp in the episode description you can skip to called Final Thoughts. This section will be spoiler-free where I give my overall opinion on the series and whether or not I think it's worth your time to watch it. So now that that's out of the way, let's deep dive into Undefeated Bahamut Chronicle. Released in 2016 by Studio Lierche, it has 12 episodes and comes in sub-only from what I can find. So we start off five years prior to the story's beginning, with the Arcadia Empire being overthrown in a rebellion. A soul drag knight donning dark armor tore through the kingdom's forces. This mysterious fighter whose identity remains unknown was from then on referred to as the Black Hero. In present day, Lux Arcadia, Prince to the Fallen Kingdom, is hired at an all-female Drag Knight Academy by the Headmaster who is also a longtime family friend. Due to a misunderstanding in the bathhouse, the girls at the Academy are wary of Lux, and he will have to earn trust by facing the new Empire's princess in a duel. First impressions of the series seem like we get a good mix of action and silly comedy. I was interested to see where the story would go. For a guy who's this powerful Drag Knight and former Prince, I was shocked how dense Lux is. Watching him completely misread the situation after crashing into the women's bath and epically failing when trying to talk himself out of it was comical. I actually wanted to give Lux the title of ladies man because he does go from perverted bath creep to every girl in the school chasing him for the red note. Then it dawned on me he's the only guy at the academy. Girls only flock to him because they have no other options. It's not like he's smooth, we see him flop with the ladies multiple times. Getting into Lux's design, I loved how he carried his blades. When someone has two swords, usually they put one on each hip or cross them against their back, but Lux has the white sword on his left hip at the ready for a fight, and the other across his lower back. I thought this setup was cool because the black blade is a last resort, and its use is discouraged by needing to be drawn by his left hand. The school uniforms are whack, but I like the Under Armour Lux wore in his drag rides. The choker around his neck was zoomed on fairly early, so I figured it would have some importance. Ari explains it's a symbol of their pardons being from the fallen royal family signifying a debt must still be paid to alleviate their title of criminals. That's why Lux is constantly talking about work, he's gaining funds to earn their freedom, and that was only one of his goals, the others have put in place better systems to benefit the people of his country. Motivation is a key element to any story, which is why I feel Ari is wasted. She stood around commentating fights sometimes just for us the viewer, and did nothing significant when brought to the ruins. She had no development or purpose, and if you can remove a character without it affecting the story, I don't think they were needed in the first place. Next up is a lot of fury in a small vessel, Leisha, Princess of the New Empire. What made Leisha interesting is being a princess, she could just kick back and wait for the throne, but is training to be a drag knight. She wants better for the people and is risking her life by going out on dangerous missions. I think the reason why is because she wasn't born into royalty. I mean, she was abandoned in prison while her father secured rule over the kingdom, so she understands suffering. And where those grown men chose to brand a child was disgusting. I feel Alicia was done dirty. She set up to be the main girl, but is completely left behind when it came to everything. I liked her being technologically savvy, both repairing and designing weapons for drag rides. She's spoken about as this powerful drag knight at the academy and pulled out special ability after special ability in her duel against Lux but he simply dodged those attacks until she lost control of her ride. Then she's turned damsel in distress when on more than one occasion she shielded from abyss gargoyles, and when given the opportunity to do something like shoot the enemy down, 
Lux distracted and got it into position, all Leisha did was pull the trigger at a stationary target. When Lux wasn't around and she could finally stand on her own, in the first match of the tournament her ride is taken over and she's disqualified before earning any points. Leisha never showed what we're led to believe she's capable of and it wasn't just battles where she's punked. When Lux was forced on the dates, Leisha was the only girl not picked. If you're going to juggle three girls in a day, why not make it four and not exclude her? Instead, she's pushed aside and stuck watching him make out with Cruel Surfer through the window. Her knowledge of seduction was awful, thinking holding hands is something risque and trying to be a submissive maid was cringe. But the biggest mistake was trying to get Lux in an official capacity by asking him to be an exclusive attendant and night. She should have just straight up asked him out. The final episode tried to slap something together for them, but it felt like nothing more than a last minute attempt at a connection. The girl I wanted Lux to end up with is Crucifer. She's a transfer student sent from another country to attend the academy, and is required to find a noble to wed for political reasons. So, she uses Lux to get her arranged fiancé off her back. I mentioned earlier options are limited, but I still thought it was funny Crucifer would choose Lux to be her fake boyfriend. Their introduction was awful. She sees him in prison, strung up by chains after being accused of peeping, and when she caught him in another accidental peeping situation, instead of exposing him, she kept it tight-lipped and finessed Lux out of the red note, getting his services for a week. Crucifer's motivation is to confirm her suspicions of being linked to the ruins, which is why she's hell-bent on charging in during the exploration mission. Turns out she's the key, not the flute, and is a pod baby taken in by a family obsessed with the ruins. This explained why she's treated as an outcast by the family, and even when she worked hard to become a drag knight hoping to be accepted, it failed. During the explanation of her history, the art style changed. It showed a single teardrop presented as a snowflake, showing just how cold and alone she felt growing up. Lux took the duty of fake boyfriend extremely seriously and even forgot it was an agreement, especially when comforting Crucifer after the ruins. He lied about the activation to his sister and pulled up to the doubles duel in black armor, further exposing his identity, showing he was determined to keep Crucifer safe. Regardless of her using him at the start, I really enjoyed their chemistry and how she teased them on their date. She was the only one he locked lips with, and they were some steamy kisses. Which brings us to Celestia, who has a horrible introduction. She wants Lux thrown out of school for being male. Why she feels entitled to decide who can or can't attend the academy is beyond me, especially when the majority of girls have accepted Lux and enjoy him being around. Celestia entering midway through the series was a poor choice. If she wanted Lux gone in episode 2, I'd buy it, but not now after he prevented the Abyss Gargoyle attack on the Academy, took down the Rebel Army pretty much single-handed, and helped explore the ruins. Celestia believes they don't need to rely on Lux's power she can keep everyone safe, but where was she during all those events? Being strong is great, but when you're not around it doesn't do much for the people depending on that power. Lux took a throwing knife in the arm for Celestia and rescued her from the squid monster. She couldn't even stab her traitor friend who snatched the jewel, scooped up Hayes, and escaped with both. So if her logic is they don't need Lux because she's got everything covered, that's bullshit. Things would have been destroyed many times over without his involvement. Celestia's true motive of wanting Lux to be safe because she feels indebted to his grandfather was so stupid. Her entire character was awful. Riza Tanade voiced not only Celestia but Zenovia from High School DxD. Funny how I hated both these characters' additions to their respective series, and they have the commonality of being overconfident swordswomen. It might be embarrassing to Lux, but I'm saying Fee for the entirety of this review. I'll be damned if I'm going to be attempting her full name and it coming out as filthy. Fee is Lux's childhood friend and has the same sleepyhead swag as Sire from the Asterix War. 
Their only difference is polar opposite body types. I'm rarely a fan of romance with a childhood friend, but if he wants to hop in his bunk or share a bath, Luck should accept that gift. Fee sneaking into his room at camp to give him a hug was the sweetest thing ever. She refuses to let him be thrown out of the academy even if she has to take on Celestia in a fight. At first I was like yeah but what could she really do about it? Turns out a lot. Fee is a beast in battle. When she was under the control of Ragnarok she beat the brakes off Celestia, Leisha, and Crucifer all at once. Fee had the best gear, her purple dagger and Dragonite tether darts were awesome. Her rides on wheels always scooting around, it reminded me of Rat Trap from Beast Wars. That's a show from the 90s for you 2000 babies. Now I want to get into some issues. Watching a second time helped, but I was uncertain of the black hero's identity. The short flashbacks and dream sequences did little to fix my confusion. When asked about the black blade by Crucifer, Lux had a look of shame on his face, and it's insinuated he's the black hero. This was hard to believe because assuming Lux is 17 now, that would make him 12 when massacring over a thousand royal guards. And I didn't understand how he thought overthrowing his own family was the right choice. If he was the one who destroyed the empire, he essentially made himself a peasant and that would make his goal to create a better country a real uphill battle. My assumption was his brother Fugel used that armor to take over the kingdom, then Lux somehow stole it away from him. Fugel even said at one point, how does your wervin feel next to my Bahamut? In the final scene when Lux sees his brother after Lee Shaw's speech, it appears Fugel has an identical black blade, so it could have been him with the black armor. I was really lost and tried to pay close attention to better comprehend the story. I wrote down all my own ideas before going to the internet. I've read a few different articles and they're all pretty hard to understand, explaining history that took place far before the time covered in the anime. After doing the research, I have a better idea of what's going on, but I'm still not completely sure. Now I'm not against manga, but the purpose of these reviews is to critique the animated series as it stands alone. Undefeated Bahamut Chronicle the anime did a terrible job of explaining certain storylines. To be fair, if future seasons had occurred, going back to reveal what really happened would make sense, but just taking the season as it is was confusing. Now to contradict what I just said, some situations were just predictable. When Lux was given herbal tea to rest before the duel, I was like that's clearly drug so he'll miss it. Or when Crucifer's creepy fiancé was monologuing on how no one could save her, I was just like, cue Lux to enter the fight now. I understand tropes and cliché, but every story element was either completely confusing or cookie-cutter basic, there was no in-between. Another problem is when it came to the drag rides, I wasn't a fan. Lux's wervin was less than impressive, it broke constantly and I didn't like the design. It reminded me of hard hybrid gear like it's not supposed to be armor, but Lux's upper body is completely exposed. Leisha's laser cannons were awesome, but the flying pieces of armor and red color scheme again reminded me of Hybrid Heart. This might sound stupid with how integral these getups are in battle, but I would have preferred the characters just fight with their plain swords. The drag action was uninteresting to me. I felt more distracted by the colors of a blast rather than paying attention to the fight itself. I'm not trying to say the action was bad, it just wasn't for me. I did have some positives, the camera work and animation were great. Fighting the squid monster, Lux is zipping around cutting off tentacles, and blood spray was painted across the screen as if it were actually covering the camera lens. Nitpicks When Leisha believes she's going to be killed by the purple-haired goof, she throws her sword only grazing his cheek. Why wouldn't she hold onto the blade to deflect his blows and counter with a damaging strike? During the scene where Lux is looking up at the church on the hill, birds are in the sky flapping their wings but are going nowhere. It was very noticeable, I don't see why they weren't given slight movement to appear natural. 
When Sonia was trying to sell Lux up to massage Celestia, she called out to him in front of many Academy girls. If he was caught in Celestia's room, they could all be witness to her pulling him away. I don't understand how Lux pulled off being Luno for so long. Did Celestia not notice their weapons were identical? She saw the both of them with two swords multiple times and it's not like she wouldn't pay attention to Lux's weapons. They're going to duel and she would obviously want to see what he'd bring to the fight. Celestia also hugged Luno during their free time. She should have felt a lack of boobs and recognized that's a man. In her defense, Lux's female voice is convincing. I think he's been secretly practicing it for years. In prison, both Leisha and Lux's weapons were left close to their cell. Lux was chained to the wall, but if Leisha wanted to, she could reach through the bars to get her sword. Quote of the series comes from Yuruka, another underutilized character. I didn't have anything to say about her for the review. She was added too late for me to pay her any mind. But I'd be a fool to not mention how dope her sword looked. Yuruka's line is a classic, don't die until I kill you. Best Girl Waifu and Harem This happened a few times before, like in Hybrid Heart, just to throw another shout out to that series, where I came into the review with my mindset on Best Girl. Cruel Surfer was my pick until watching a second time. When it comes to personality and what they added to the series, V reigns supreme. Don't get me wrong, Crucifer is the girl I want Lux to be with, but she was only using him in the beginning where Fee always looked out and supported him. Fee, unlike the other girls, put her desire for a date aside, recognizing Lux is freshly recovered from injuries and has him rest in a coveted lap pillow instead of being dragged around the festival. She disobeyed the order to kill him while under Ragnarok's command, showing how deep their friendship is. And she's Lux's inspiration to build a better country. I loved everything with these two and watching them nearly pass out in the bath was hilarious. Especially when Lux is underwater and Fee's like, are you alright? Of course he isn't, Fee. He's dying. Fee is voiced by Yorika Kubo, who was also Kade from Bunny Girl Senpai. Another winner in the best girl category. Fee is not a waifu to me, but she and Crucifer can hop in my harem anytime. Final thoughts. Undefeated Bahamut Chronicles was a strange one for me. It had some great characters and was visually appealing, but the fights weren't to my liking and the story was not well explained. I'm really conflicted on whether or not I should recommend or condemn this series. It's really a coin toss. You know what? Give it a shot, and if you don't enjoy the first episode, just bail. The series stays consistent. It doesn't get any better or worse. Alright, that's going to be it for this week's episode. Hope to catch you in the next one. Bye.